Good to see everybody tonight. If you will, go ahead and take your Bibles. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2 as we get to dive into the Word of God tonight. I have a question as you're looking it up, just something for you to think about. Uh, if you knew that your time on this earth was coming to an end soon, if you knew that uh, death was imminent, you knew um, that this time was running out, who would you write a letter to? You had no other form of communication. We're, we're going old school. Uh, you have to actually you know, take a pen out and a paper and write it all down. Who would you write it to? Most of us would probably say our family, right? You have a lot of family around you. You may want to leave some last words to them. Uh, some close friends, possibly. Um, a boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, something like that. Someone like that. What would you say to them? Think about that as well. Would you spend a lot of time on frivolous things? Would we talk a lot about the weather? I like to think that if that was the case, that we would write things that were near and dear to our heart, things that we knew we wanted to pass on, things that we wanted to be remembered for. We don't want to waste our time uh, and their time reading it and their last memory being of frivolous things, but we want it to be of impactful things, don't we? Well, as we look at Scripture, one of the reasons why I love 2 Timothy is because we actually get one of Paul's last letters. Uh, we, he realizes he's in prison here, and he realizes that time is running out. He knows that he's not going to get out this time. He knows that, that death is imminent for him. And so he writes this letter, and he writes it to someone who he calls his spiritual son. Uh, somebody who has invested just tons of time in, who's traveled with him all over the, the known world at that time, who has done ministry with him, who's ministered to him while he's been in prison. And he writes it to Timothy. And I think that he leaves some impactful words for us in 2 Timothy as well. Some words that he knows the end is near. He wants to give us one more challenge uh, for our lives as well as Timothy. So if you will, let's check out 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we'll read uh, verses 1 through 10. This is what it says. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does, not run, uh, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal. But... The Word of God is not imprisoned. That's got to be encouraging right there, right? The Word of God is not imprisoned. 
For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. I think that as we look at these verses, I think you actually come across the heart of these verses in verse 2, when it says this right here. It says, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so I want us to look at discipleship tonight. I want us to think on discipleship because this is something that keeps coming up. As a staff, we're reading a book right now about discipleship. Uh, In less than three weeks, the students have something called Disciple Now, uh, where we are hoping, we know that, you know, discipleship is not summed up in an event, but we're hoping that this event helps to spark discipleship in the lives of our students and in the lives of our church. And that's why we have this, this whole thing centered around discipleship. That's why it's called Disciple Now. And so here we are looking at discipleship. And verse 2 begins to tell us what that looks like. And then everything around it tells us how to make disciples who make disciples. That's our goal, right? Our goal is for the the word of Christ to be spread throughout the world. Our goal is for for people to be passionately in love with Jesus. And so let's look at some characteristics of disciples who make disciples. And how we can do this. The first thing that I think we can find here is that they are strengthened by grace. You see that in the very first verse there. You therefore my son. Remember he calls Timothy his son because of their spiritual connection. He says be strong In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. When I hear be strong in the grace, it almost seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? It almost seems like contradicting terms. How are you strong in grace? Is grace not brought to us in our weakness? Is grace not brought to us when we are, you know, on our knees needing it? But yet, grace is so much more than that, isn't it? To be strong in grace. Yes, grace is an element of our salvation. Yes, we have to have grace in order to know who Christ is. And it's His grace that saves us. But is it not also His grace that gives us our every breath? Is it not also His grace that continues to use us even though we fall short? It's His grace that I'm able to stand before you and preach tonight, isn't it? Man, His grace is abounding. His grace is beyond anything that we can imagine. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 even tells us that our adequacy is only from God. It's His grace. It's His grace that gives us the opportunity to resist temptation in our lives. It's His grace that allows us to proclaim His name. And yes, it's His grace that brings us salvation. So the very first thing that we see there as we're looking at it is that to be a disciple maker who makes disciples and that make disciples, we need to be strengthened in his grace. That needs to be a focus in our lives. When was the last time you thanked God for his grace? When was the last time you dwelt on the beauty of God's grace in our life? We sing amazing grace. Do we believe it? Have our lives been impacted by it? Is it impacted from a daily basis of the amazing grace of God? His grace allows us to do more than we can ever imagine. I kind of picture it a little bit like Popeye the Sailor Man, right? You know, when we start off, we're not really able to accomplish much. 
You know, you may try, but you, you watch him and he fails, right? But all of a sudden, he eats spinach, right? Anybody like spinach? Not really a big fan. Some kids in the back are raising their hands. That's crazy. But he eats the spinach, and then what happens? He accomplishes all kind of stuff, doesn't he? Is it not true when we actually rely on the grace of God? Do we realize how much more God accomplishes through that than when we try to do it in our own power? His challenge for Timothy here to start off with is to be strong, to be strengthened, but not in his own power, but in the grace of Christ Jesus. So I think that we need to rejoice in that to start off with tonight. But as we continue, we also see that the the challenge here is to share with others. Not only to be strengthened in grace, but share with others. And that comes from verse 2. Verse 2 says this right here. The things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Let's ask another question. Think about the person who first shared Christ with you. Thinking about that? Or maybe the person that actually was able to lead you to Christ. First person who just shared the gospel, told you the good news. What if they decided to keep that to themselves? What if they decided that this is some great news? I just want to hold on to it. You know, if you look back earlier in 2 Timothy, it's actually called the treasure. The gospel is the treasure that's within us. What if they just said, I want to keep this treasure to myself? You know, we are all products of people sharing Christ through the ages. What if the disciples said, man, that Jesus, he was an amazing guy. He was awesome. I don't want to tell anybody about him. I just want to keep it all to myself. I mean, other people can just be jealous that I got to see everything that Jesus did. But that's not what they did, is it? They took it and they entrusted it to people and it was multiplied. And what started with a very small few multiplied to where you, sitting in America today, hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Hear the fact that He is God and man living on earth, dying for our sins, raised again, sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us so that we can have a relationship and we can be made pure. You know, this, is, this is the cornerstone for, for everything here because without this, the gospel doesn't spread. If we don't share the good news with other people, if we do not continue to entrust the teaching of the Bible to other people, then it it ends. But yet this good news, it should be like a fire burning within us that we just have to just get out. We have to tell people. We have to be longing to to make that known. Not only to non-believers, but also to other believers as well. Because this Jesus should just be flowing from everything that we talk about. It's amazing that we've been entrusted with this truth of the gospel. We've been entrusted with this truth about Jesus And not only that, we've been entrusted with it to share it with others. To live life with people and tell them about the amazing love of Jesus Christ. 
So if we want to make disciples, there is some, some knowledge that has to go into that. There is some time that has to go into that. And there's a lot of truth that has to go into that. So as we look, we need to be strengthened by grace. We need to share with others. But we also need to seek to please Him. He goes through three examples here uh, over the next few verses. Looking at verses 3 and 4, this is what he says, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Now, of course, we realize that that this is just a, a picture, right? A picture of the obedience that comes as we seek to please God, as we seek to live for Him and not for man. You can also see that in Galatians 1.10 when it's talking about who are you trying to please? Are you trying to please man or are you trying to please God? I think it's really easy for us as believers in, in the context that we live in that we become a lot more concerned with pleasing everyone around us than we do with pleasing our Heavenly Father and living completely for Him, being obedient to Him as a soldier would and not get wrapped up in the things of this world but longing to live with eternity in our sights. When I was younger, we got to go on a cool trip uh, out to Colorado, um, to go skiing and everything out there. It's absolutely beautiful um, in Colorado. But to get to Colorado, you have to drive through a state called Kansas. Uh, it's beautiful, but for different reasons than, than Colorado. That's just, you know, Colorado has mountains and snow, and, you know, Kansas has plains, and that's about it. So, you know, there's not much to Kansas, right? But as we're driving through, you know, and I don't even remember how old I was. My parents might be able to answer that. But as we're driving through, I remember from a long distance seeing the lights of a city that we knew was Colorado because it was up a little bit in the distance. And I remember the anticipation of looking forward to to seeing that right of wanting to to have that focus on on that you know of longing to to be there and as we seek to to live for eternity as we seek to please God it's like keeping that light there in front of us that that desire to to be there that desire to to be living for him and so are we seeking to please God in the way that we live our lives? Are we looking forward to that light that's in the future? But he continues on. He also says, If anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. So as we are seeking to make disciples, we need to be strengthened by grace. We need to share with others. We need to seek to please Him um, And we also need to strive to live like Christ. We don't obtain perfection this side of heaven, but Christ's likeness um, in the way that we treat people and our desire for God in our lives. Our whole lives should be focused on living according to what God has for us. Living according to the way that Christ exampled for us. The way that he lived. You know, Paul also says in another verse, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And are we competing? Are we living according to what he has set out before us? 
That should be our goal, to strive to live like Christ. But there's also another recurring theme, and this theme continues throughout 2 Timothy. But he says this right here, verses 6 through 10. He says, The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive a share of crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not in prison. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. And the last thing that he tells us here is that we need to be ready to suffer the hardships. But I think that there's two different types of hardships that he's talking about here. I think one is the hardship that's kind of like the farmer. And the farmer puts a lot of hard work into it, doesn't he? I've never been a farmer before, and I would not be a very good farmer. That's just being honest. But the farmer here works hard at the land, doesn't he? I have seen the consequences of what happens when you don't work hard at farming the land. Uh, You can look at our landscaping at our old house. Laziness kind of set in a little bit on that on my part. I'll take full credit for this. But it is amazing how fast weeds grow up in the garden when you don't pull the weeds out. When you don't work hard in the landscaping and then it looks like it's part of your grass, you know. I've seen what happens when you don't continually work hard. Well, the farmer here perseveres through it, doesn't he? The farmer here continues to work hard. The farmer here is diligent in his discipleship. You see, discipleship is not something easy. Discipleship requires us living life together. Discipleship requires us speaking truth to each other's life, even when it's unpopular. Discipleship really, sometimes you don't even get to see the fruit right away. Discipleship can take time. Discipleship takes effort. Parents, as you're raising your kids and you're trying to raise them in the ways of the Lord, you don't necessarily see the fruit when they're 13, 14, or 15, do you? But if you keep at it, then there's a hope that you get to see the fruit later. This farmer that we're talking about, the discipleship here, yes, it's difficult. But there is fruit that gets to come. Be diligent in your discipleship. Be diligent in your prayers. Be diligent in your lifestyle. Suffer the hardships through it. And remember that it's not you, but to be strengthened in the grace of Christ Jesus as well. So that's one type of hardship that they're talking about there. But there's another side to this hardship, isn't it? And that's simply the hardship of the suffering of Paul. As you look, Paul's life is not going great, is it? Where's Paul sitting? Sitting in prison. It's one of the many letters that we have of him from sitting in prison. Well, that's a fun life, isn't it? He talks about how much he's been stoned and beaten. But here he is suffering for the gospel. Physical suffering. Willing to pay whatever the cost for people to know about Jesus.
Last week I was at a D now and I preached on Romans chapter 9. Where um, in the first few verses of Romans chapter 9, Paul actually says that he's willing to give up his own salvation, if possible. And of course he says in Romans 8 that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. But he's willing to give up his own salvation if it meant that his people would come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's how far he's willing to suffer. So that people will know the good news of Jesus Christ. That he died and that he rose again and that he is Lord of all. And I know sometimes for me, suffering in the smallest things is difficult. I've never been threatened with prison. But I also know that I'm not ready to give up my salvation for others either. Just being honest. But I wonder if we can get that burden that we're willing to suffer anything for the sake of making Jesus Christ known. That we're willing to go anywhere trusting in Him completely. Paul gave up his life completely. He's killed... Uh, they say probably a few months after this letter's written. But it's a sacrifice that he counts worth, worthy for the sake of the gospel expanding. He says, look, I'm in prison, but the gospel, the good news, God's word is still going around the world. So I wonder tonight, As we think about Paul's final letter, do you have a spiritual son or daughter that you would write to? Is there somebody in your life that you are investing in, that you are being strengthened by grace, that you are sharing with them, that you're seeking to please God, that you're striving to live like Christ, suffering hardships together? Is there someone in your life that you would write that letter to? Like I said, I know we're probably talking about family and that kind of thing, but what about other people? Are we making disciples who make disciples? Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for being a God who loves us. We praise you for being a God uh, who revealed himself to us, Lord. We know that you are here. And Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son so that we can have life. Lord, I know so often we don't persevere through the hardships. So often we don't uh, continue to be diligent in the way that we disciple people. Lord, it's so easy to get wrapped up in the things of this world. But Lord, I pray that you will just ignite in our hearts a desire to invest in others. A desire to to see people grow in their walk with you. And Father, a desire for those people to make more disciples as well. Father, you alone are worthy of all of our praise. 
It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.